Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. He has Parliament Hill on speed dial, and they know when the phone rings, no comment is not an option. This is The Roy Green Show. Uh, Just a quick word. Tomorrow at this time, starting the show tomorrow, will be Sam Nunberg. He's going to be my guest, the former political advisor, to uh, President Donald Trump. And he's going to be talking about all of the issues that have been headline stories involving the United States president. So you won't want to miss that Uh, tomorrow at this time. Sam Nunberg, the former political advisor, to Donald Trump. Today's show is going to be full of activity and lots of uh, engaging commentary. And during the week, I always, I really do, I always think maybe, maybe I won't have to talk about Justin Trudeau this week, but it just, it doesn't seem to happen. So we'll be going to be going to be talking about Mr. Trudeau because that story about the sexual harassment case uh, is not going away, and I'm going to be speaking with Ishmael Darrow, the BuzzFeed.com reporter, who chased down the story and obtained the tweet from Trudeau's media representative that the Prime Minister doesn't recall any negative interactions, quote-unquote. What does that mean? I don't recall any negative interactions. Well, Michelle Simpson, who, of course, sat beside Mr. Trudeau for a number of years, in uh, Parliament during question period as his seatmate and caucus mate in the Liberal Party will be joining Ishmael Darrell, and that's next hour. I want to talk about an issue that affects each and every one of us, and it's equalization payments in this country, where the so-called have provinces have supported the have-not provinces for many years. And unfortunately for the have provinces or the former have provinces, much of the paradigm has shifted and provinces that were making uh, you know, lots of money and were sh- shelling it out to provinces that needed it are now not as flush as they once were. I looked at a tweet from Premier Scott Moe of Saskatchewan. Many in SK believe equalization is unfair. In 11 years, $190 billion paid out to other provinces. Saskatchewan received zero. Some say Saskatchewan received much equalization over his- the history of the program. Actually, that's not true. Premier Mo, good to have you have you on the show. Thank you for taking the time again. Well, thank you, Roy. And I, I, I do want to point out that I am on time this time. I think I've been on the show three or four times, and this is the first time I've hit it right. Well, we weren't going to bring that up, but but, <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. I always appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Uh, me as well. Now, the, the issue of the equalization payments, did it catch you completely by surprise when Mr. Morneau... Um, extended the current formula for another five years. 
We, we were aware of the federal government, uh, as they had indicated to finance ministers, that they were they were uh, uh, leading towards uh, um, uh, proposing uh, something around the status quo as we move forward. Our, our finance minister, uh, the Honorable Donna Har- Harpower, voiced her her objections to that, and and that's when we really started discussing about you know how do we raise this discussion across the nation? How do we how do we raise this discussion so that we can talk about it from from coast to coast to coast, if you will, and have a have a mature dialogue about what this formula should look like into the future, and and can we come up with a better uh, you know, some improvements to it. And, and we knew people would ask us, uh, you know, what's the use of Saskatchewan? Well, we, so we put a proposal on the table and we want to start, uh, start the dialogue uh, with respect to where we go with this formula into the future. Premier, what, uh, in layman's terminology, what is the formula currently? What does it consist of? And what is Saskatchewan proposing? Well, what it, currently what it consists of is a, is a formula that cuts hydro out of hydropower out of hydro revenues. Pardon me, out of uh, out of the uh, the capacity of any province's uh, wealth, if you will. What we're proposing is, uh, you know, rather than deep into dig into the details of the formula, where if you change A, it, it affects B, C, and D, is uh, leave the formula alone. Take half of the nineteen billion dollars of revenues. Uh, disperse them just as you would um, under the current formula. Take the other half of the revenues, disperse them on a per capita basis, uh, like we disperse health and social uh, funding here in, in in the nation of Canada. This isn't foreign to us in in, in provinces or across across the across the nation, and uh, it would ensure that that all provinces would receive a little bit. I'd also put forward that this isn't a windfall in any way for for Saskatchewan. We put this forward to start this discussion uh, across the nation. We'd still be a half province under under this formula, contributing more than what we would take. You know, there's never a shortage of opinion when it comes to equalization payments. And what I've heard from a lot of people over the years is that maybe there should be no equalization payments. Maybe the provinces that are short on income or short on money should be more inventive and find better ways to generate their own funds and not look to uh, to so-called have provinces, have the have provinces maybe pay more in taxes, which is probably going to happen anyway, and then uh, and then take it from there. Yeah, and that would be another suggestion. I think that some some may put forward. You know, I, I'm not positive that that we would actually support that suggestion out of Saskatchewan. We talked to some people, but uh, and it would benefit us greatly. Um, you, you know, being a net contributor, but we still are. We still are Canadians first, and and what we're saying is we should have a a, a mature conversation about this formula. About uh, you know, we have we have one province that has received over half of the funding uh, since since the inception of this formula, over 60% just this past year, a province that advocated uh, very uh, uh, ferociously against a, a significant piece of infrastructure that would benefit the nation and a number of other provinces in Energy East. And, and so, you know, we, we have uh, this formula in place benefiting uh, those hydro provinces, and we have some of those provinces now uh, t- attempting to really hold up our ability to not only get our resources uh, to markets all around the world, but our ability to get our resources to uh, to a place where we can add value to them, like New Brunswick in the case of Energy East, and sell that product that we're still utilizing here in Canada to Canadians. Well, we're talking about the province of Quebec, which uh, under the then municipal leadership of Denis Coderre, who was the mayor of Montreal, uh, argued vociferously and in fact refused to accept any notion that Energy East would uh, make its way through the greater Montreal area, and he argued that it provided nothing in the way of real economic benefit to the province of Quebec. Meanwhile, as you say, Quebec has, or you didn't mention Quebec, but I have, they, uh, they, they, are, they have been very, very, very fortunate 
at the receiving end of equalization payments, and I saw in one of your tweets, 60 to $80 billion. Is that, is that with one year? Uh, 11.7 this last year, which is over 60% of the, yeah. uh, of the $19 billion formula. About $100 billion over the last 11 years it went to that problem. Okay. By contrast, um, by contrast, you could look at a province that has seen a downturn in in uh, in their natural resource revenues and jobs, and is now experiencing, I think, in the neighborhood of about a fourteen percent unemployment rate. And that's Newfoundland and Labrador. They collected zero from this formula last year, and uh, so we're we're saying we should have that discussion about whether or not that's correct. Now, how much willingness is there on the part of other premiers, and how much willingness do you think there might be on the part of the current federal government? to have that discussion or participate in the discussion, particularly since the finance minister announced the current formula will continue for another five years. There's, there is a willingness uh, to have this discussion across the nation, and not necessarily the formula that we put forward, but the fairness of, of this formula to to Canadians. And is there an opportunity for us to to make some changes that, that ensures that it's it's more fair to more Canadians? Uh, the federal government, they had slipped this uh, into, I think, page 317 of their 500-plus page bill, uh, budget bill that they put forward here uh, uh, this summer. So they've said that, uh, you know, the decision is done. Well, they can answer, uh, you know, to Canadians uh, with respect to the decisions uh, that they made. It doesn't discount the importance of the discussion that we need to have here. And, uh, and uh, you know, across the nation, there is an opportunity for us to improve on this formula, to improve on it in cases of, of uh, you know, for instance, in, in Newfoundland and Labrador, where where I think if this formula was, uh, was uh, changed to be more reactive, I think Newfoundland and Labrador, uh, people that have lost their job would be appreciative of that. If there's no change in the formula, how does that, how will that affect your province, the province of Saskatchewan, over the next five years? I will continue to contribute uh, about $600 million to the formula each and every year and, uh, and collect uh, no dollars from that. And this, this um, compiles a little bit, and maybe what, what instigates some of this discussion is some of the challenges we're having with those very same um, revenue items for and, and econ- economic generating items uh, here in Western Canada that are, that are included in, in the equalization formula, and now we're facing a number of other headwinds um, some of them from our federal government uh, in the way of a carbon tax, but some of them uh, headwinds just in having the opportunity to get those products, uh, you know, to market. In ours, our, our province, uh, not not a large province, one one million one hundred seventy one thousand people, we export to over one hundred and fifty countries each and every year. In order to do that, we need to continue to have access to our coastline in the way of of uh, pipelines in the way of rail infrastructure in the way of the opportunity to access our ports and and we're facing headwinds in in some of these other areas which is making it very very uh, challenging to to defend the the, the contribution of 600 million dollars to to this to this formula when when you look at how it is it is being dispersed uh, uh, somewhat unfairly across the nation well it's a an, it's an egregious attack on uh, on on our national sense of well-being and our national well-being period when one province, again the province of Quebec, steps up and says, we are not going to permit, and the Prime Minister did nothing about it, uh, we're going to do, we're not going to permit the Energy East pipeline to uh, extend through Quebec into, uh, into New Brunswick, where it should have gone. And in the absence of the Energy East pipeline, the, the, the refineries in eastern Canada are now importing 700,000 barrels of foreign oil every day so they can remain active. The, the picture would be fundamentally flawed to a four-year-old. 
Right, and 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 if you tr- if you truly care about labor standards, and you look at where that that energy product is coming in from, uh, we should we should have the discussion about the, we should rediscuss energy east. If you truly care about yeah. the economic opportunities, some of it in in places like New Brunswick and and Western Canada, where where there are challenges right now, and, and the opportunity to access our Canadian markets and add value to that Western Canadian uh, sustainable energy product, I would put forward as well. Um, you should look at it. We should relook at energy east. And if you truly care about the environment, if we truly want to make an impact on on emissions, um, we we should look at the environmental regulations that that this energy product is being produced, how it is being produced in Western Canada, and how the product that we're importing is being produced in places like Venezuela, Algeria, Saudi Arabia. And if you truly want to make an impact on emissions reductions, we should be utilizing these Western Canadian products products because of the way that we that we extract them in, in a sustainable and way is uh, is anywhere around the world, and 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 we should care about that as Canadians. We should. Uh, can you stay with us a few minutes longer? Absolutely. Okay, I want to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more with the Premier of Saskatchewan, Scott Moe, about the carbon tax. Now with the Ontario government going progressive conservative and Doug Ford having said he'll get rid of the cap-and-trade agreement between Ontario, Quebec, and California. Uh, the, uh, the Trudeau government has chimed in and said that it, they're absolutely you know, damaging the environment and ending programs. And so I, of course, had to be the skunk of the garden party. And I, uh, I tweeted reminders to Jerry Butts, who was never elected to anything, but seems to want to lecture everyone. And to Catherine McKenna, who spent some time in Europe over the last week, uh, I reminded them of programs that had been ended by the Wynn government in 2015 and 2016. And when they talk about solar energy, ah, never mind. We'll get into that later. When we come back, we'll talk to... um, more to the Premier of Saskatchewan about the carbon tax and the fact that Ontario now is going to be an ally of Saskatchewan in challenging the carbon tax. And if Jason Kenney wins the premiership in Alberta, it'll be three significantly important governments challenging Ottawa, and truly, that'll be the end of the national carbon tax. We will come back with Scott Moe in just a minute. His bark is worse than his bite. This is the Roy Green Show. I'm on Twitter at the Roy Green Show. At the Roy Green Show, where I tweeted the other day about uh, the F- Ontario government sort of walking away from its enthusiastic commitment to the environment. 2015, the wind government cut back on renewable energy, that's solar purchasing, at premium pricing, that's 2015, and then in 2016, $3.8 billion scrapped in uh, renewable energy programs again by the wind government, and her energy minister described it as common sense. I just wanted Jerry Butts and Catherine McKenna to be aware of that, because apparently they're not. Scott Moe is the premier of Saskatchewan. He's with us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Saskatchewan has been challenging the pan-Canadian carbon tax ambition of Mr. Trudeau and his government, and Premier Moe, now you have Doug Ford as an ally who was elected by the uh, people of Ontario. We have to keep reminding certain individuals that he was elected by the people of Ontario. 
Mr. Ford is committed to standing beside Saskatchewan in the battle against the carbon tax, and Jason Kenney has committed the same if he's elected Premier of Alberta in just a few months' time. So uh, how do you assess all of this? Well, I think it's uh, I think it's indicative of when people actually start having to pay this tax on their on their hydro bills, on their fuel, uh, their fuel as they fuel up their vehicles. Uh, it's one thing to virtue signal that you want to, uh, you know, reduce your carbon emissions. Uh, you want to, you know, help the environment. It's another it's another thing from an economic perspective to actually start uh, paying the bill of a of a you know, what I call a flawed policy, cap-and-trade carbon tax, uh, you, you pick the policy, um, for, for, and, and, and then start to realize that, that these policies actually don't work. They actually don't reduce emissions. They haven't done it around the world. I don't know why we would expect that that, that would occur here in Canada. And we have people talking about, well, if you want to help the environment, you need to pay a carbon tax. No, that, if, if you want to feel, um, you know, a little bit better about your conscience, you could pay a carbon tax, but it actually doesn't work. And, and nowhere is that more evident, and I speak about Saskatchewan all the time, but nowhere is that more evident, the investment in actual emission reductions in, in our nation than in, in the province of Ontario. Right or wrong on, on you know, what the, the cost was to to shift the uh, the electrical generation uh, environment in Ontario, it happened. And, and that should be recognized. The, the, the federal government shouldn't be looking at imposing a backstop uh, because, uh, because uh, Premier-elect Ford is making a decision on behalf of, uh, of Ontarians in reducing taxes uh, to ensure that it can be affordable for, for everyone to live there. Well, clearly the, uh, the federal government and uh, its allies are panicked by the fact that Doug Ford was elected and now is going to oppose and is opposing the carbon tax uh, project and uh, we'll be joined by, again, by Jason Kenney if he becomes the Premier of Alberta, because that, that's three significant provinces, and three significant provinces pretty much sews it up, I would think. Well, I think it's Canadians coming to the realization that it's a flawed policy that, that at the end of the day, cost, cost Canadians money, uh, cost us uh, jobs in many communities as, as we move some of our export-related jobs out of Canada because right. they can't compete with with this tax, among other taxes uh, that are changing as we move forward, among regulations, non-tax items that are changing as we move forward. And, and I, I, I commend uh, Premier-elect Ford for campaigning on this, running on this. And, and I think the people of Ontario, like many people across Canada, are starting to realize that, that this, 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 is a, this is a payment that we will have to make, and yeah. it actually doesn't work. It doesn't reduce emissions. Premier, I, uh, I, I hate to do this to you, but I, we can either end the conversation here or we can continue after a few more minutes. It's up to you. We can, can we can continue. Well, I'll hang around. Okay, good. Appreciate that. Scott Moe, the Premier of Saskatchewan. There's a lot more I want to talk to him about, about the carbon tax and the whole issue of responsibility as Canadians, for Canadians, and doing things properly in Canada. We'll come back. Straight talk. No nonsense. Honest debate. This is the Roy Green Show.
There you go, Jerry. There's a song for you, Mr. Gerald GM Butts. Clean Energy Investment Expected to Leave Ontario, he tweeted, and I replied in the $3.8 billion in renewable energy programs when scrapped in 16. Labor Energy Minister called it a common-sense decision after Ontario's electricity planning agency advised the province has a surplus of generating capacity. I didn't hear back from Mr. Butts. I didn't hear back from Catherine McKenna. I feel that that was genuinely unkind of them. I was just trying to help. Scott Moe is the Premier of Saskatchewan. He's with us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Just to, uh, just to repeat what you're suggesting, Premier, as far as a, an equalization payment change, uh, and I'm quoting from Global News. In his proposal, Premier Moe calls for what he describes as a 50-50 formula. This would use the same revenue sources like non-renewable resource and revenue to determine the fiscal capacity of each province. Half of the collected money would be distributed in the same manner it is now. The other half would be distributed on a per capita basis relative to all the other provinces. Uh, the Premier said this would ensure all provinces receive at least some equalization funding. Makes sense. What, what reaction have you had from uh, the people in Saskatchewan? Well, the people in Saskatchewan, like I, like I said, are, are looking at, at some of the the resource revenues that are being included in, in the calculation of this formula, and there's, there's frustration that's building because they see the funds of this formula being uh, funneled in many ways uh, to, to, to a few certain areas of, of, the, of the nation. In particular, uh, about 60% of, of the uh, funds going to one province in the nation, and then we turn around and have that very same province, uh, you, you know, um, being being very uh, uh, adamant about uh, infrastructure projects not not happening not happening in our nation that would help uh, Western Canada access uh, not only the Canadian markets but but some export markets around the world as well. And this growing sense of frustration is what we've heard as we've traveled across the province, and uh, we wanted to put forward a formula to start this conversation, and we we thought we would, we would make it very simple so the people of Canada can understand it. And let's start talking about how we can make it better for more Canadians. And back to the carbon tax issue. Uh, as we've said, uh, Doug Ford is on Saskatchewan's side, the premier-elect in Ontario. And uh, have you spoken with premier-elect Ford about this yet? Yeah, absolutely we have. Yeah, no, we've spoken, and we're in, uh, we're in alignment on the, the ineffectiveness of this tax to the environment and the, uh, the the detrimental effects that this tax would have on, on both people in Ontario and Saskatchewan if the if the federal backstop was ever implemented. So, well, you know, the federal government should should rethink that. They should rethink implementing the uh, the backstop on provinces, uh, in particular at this time when you have provinces that are that are uh, you know adamantly trying to uh, help our federal government get through uh, trade agreements, more notably the North American Free Trade Agreement. Um, we're adamantly trying to access other markets for our products as we start to uh, to look to other areas of the world, if you will, to to dilute our our trade dependency on the U.S. and in Saskatchewan, it's significant. Over half of our products do end up in the U.S. and and I think Ontario would be be all of that. Premier, about the issue of tariffs and trade and equitable trade and the unpredictability of perhaps uh, of President uh, Trump who has pointed out, look, I said I was going to make America great again, not Canada, but at the, at the same time, he and his country do benefit from the relationship with Canada and with Canadian trade. What do you make of what's going on now, and uh, what would your, what's, your re, what's your reaction to Mr. Trump's challenges to well, this Mi country? 
Well, Mr. Trump is the president of the USA, so that, that is who he rep- represents. And we have a prime minister in this nation. We also have subnational leaders. We'll have Premier-elect Ford, uh, myself, uh, other, other premiers across the nation that uh, can do work as well. And I've been down to the U.S. Uh, a couple of times since uh, I've been elected into this position. I'm heading again on Monday down to the National Governors Meeting in Rapid City to, to further uh, foster those relationships with uh, subnational leaders in the U.S. to ensure that that we can advocate on on who we represent here in 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 our province of Saskatchewan, but in the nation of Canada as well, of of the benefits of 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 the NAFTA agreement over the last two and a half decades. Yes, it needs to be modernized, um, but we do need to continue with uh, some degree of a, a fair trade agreement here in North America, as I think there's other areas of the world that uh, you know greatly uh, admire what we have had here the last two and a half decades. I know Premier-elect Ford will be a great advocate. Of, uh, of trade, uh, in particular with the U.S. as well. Minister Freeland's office and, and our trade negotiators have, have been engaged all along, and they need to continue to be engaged. And I would say that our Prime Minister needs to uh, to step up his engagement as well. And I, I think our federal government, this is the most important uh, thing, uh, the most important item that we have as we go forward through the next number of weeks and months is this, this trade agreement, our most important trade agreement. And when we wake up each and every morning, we should ask ourselves, how can we further engage with President Trump's administration to get closer to a a, a, re, uh, a modernized NAFTA deal and make every step uh, towards that that we can? We need all hands on deck, and that includes our Prime Minister. Absolutely, and listen to what Donald Trump says. If you don't, even if you don't like him, listen to what he says, because he is the President of the United States. He has tremendous power and influence over what happens in the United States, and whatever happens in the United States affects us in Canada. So, if anybody's a strident anti-Trump person. Set that aside if, and be objective about what, what's best for Canada ultimately at the end of the day. Mr. Uh, Mr. Moe, thank you so much. Premier, I always appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you. Anytime, Roy. You have a great weekend. And you too. Scott Moe, the Premier of Saskatchewan. Of course, we uh, broadcast on CJME in Regina and CKOM in Saskatoon on our network. And uh, I mean, I like uh, Premier Moe and uh, you know, I liked his predecessor a great deal as well. So, it's common sense comes out of the West. That's all it is. It's like they get it. If you plant something, it grows. If you don't, you can stand over it and look at the soil. The only thing you're going to get is weeds. And I'm not talking about legalizing marijuana. Yet. I would like to speak with you at 1 800 263 2428. 1 800 263 2428. So, the province of Quebec, which has been a burr in the side of Canada for a long time, and you never quite know how they're going to vote because at any time they have anywhere from 20 to, now maybe 30% of Quebecers are favorably disposed towards separating from Canada. So you never quite know how they're going to vote. Uh, Probably when the election comes up in Quebec in October, they're going to be electing the CAQ party, Coalition Avenir Québec, which is headed by a former minister of the Parti Québécois government, although he says he's not going to talk about sovereignty or Quebec separation for a number of years. I believe that when I uh, when I witness it. 
Anyway, Quebec is doing amazingly well as far as transfer payments are concerned. $11 billion is what they'll be Over $11 billion they'll get this year. And yet Quebec is the, is the province that stood in the way of Energy East. Energy East would be on its way to being completed. My, I don't know. It might be, even be completed by now if they, Kader and his buddies, Kader and Quebec hadn't stepped up and said, no, it's not, it's, not, it's not good for us. It's not good for Quebec. And so we're not going to allow it through. And so Energy East stopped. And again, the refineries in, uh, in eastern Canada, they have to be busy. They have to bring in some revenue. So they import 700,000 barrels of foreign oil per day. Meanwhile, we have the oil sands. And I understand, Mr. Trudeau, you want them phased out. We remember the, uh, what you said during the town hall. But we have this tremendous natural resource that the world wants. And all this needs to be done is that the pipeline, and let's talk about Energy East again for just a second here. The only thing that has to be done is that Energy East has to be completed. Trans Mountain has to be, the extension has to be completed. What's going on with that, by the way? What's, what's, what's going on with that, Justin? And the, uh, the old argument, all well, the rest of the world doesn't want Canada's oil. I always look at who's making that statement. And then if it's a predictable source, I dismiss it. Because I know that it doesn't matter. The person could be standing there with a blank check and they'd still say, oh, they don't really want the oil. So Quebec gets huge amounts of money from the rest of the country, but it stands in the way of the pipeline that would generate income for all of us. So, what's your feeling about the province of Quebec receiving $11 billion this year? And the carbon tax, the carbon tax, the carbon tax. Are you for it or against it? You have to know that it's going to cost you a lot of money. And Ms. McKenna was uh, traveling through Europe over the last few days, and somehow she decided that people who oppose the carbon tax may have a connection to being misogynists. I, 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 I can't even for the life of me understand what she's thinking. I would love to speak with the minister on the air. I really would. Or Jerry Butts. Or any of them. But they won't come within 100 miles of me. When we come back, we'll take your calls at 800-263-2428. 1-800-263-2428. You're only as good as your word, and he stands by his. This is The Roy Green Show. A stunning tweet from Senator Denise Batters, at Denise Batters. And she uses the word stunning at the beginning of the tweet. 
Stunning as Chief of NAFTA, Canadian Chief of NAFTA, Canadian Chief NAFTA negotiator, Steve Verhul says, we don't have any active negotiations. I haven't talked to them in a little while, two or three weeks. I'll have the odd conversation, but no real engagement, no real negotiating session. Them would be the Americans. So what are we doing? Nothing? Absolutely, we're doing nothing. Russ is in High River, Alberta. How are you, Russ? I am awesome. How are you today, Roy? Good, sir. Please go ahead. First of all, I want to thank you for a great show, as usual. Thank you. Hey, um, you know, this equalization thing has been a burden a lot of Western Canadian people for a long time. And because it's set up, one, that they don't put their electrical revenue into their equation, and two, it's all about vote-getting. They keep buying Quebec's votes constantly. So there's no way they're going to change that formula. Hmm. Do you think that after a period of time, if a province has been dipping into the receiving bucket of the equalization program for 10 or 15 consecutive years, do you think after some period of time they should be told that's it? Roy, how long have you been in Canadian? I know, I know. You I honestly know. think I know. That they are going to tell them that? I know. They, they, the whole thing is set up. For Quebec, and I'm sorry. I don't want to. I don't dislike no. people from Quebec. I just. Um, it's about it's paying. about votes. Quebec Quebec is Quebec is the most influential province in in the country when it comes to politics because they play politics as a blood sport. Well, also our prime minister said the best. He said this before the election. The best premier prime ministers come from Quebec. I know. I know. So, well, there's one exception anyway. Yeah, there was, but we're the only ones that liked it were Western Canadians. Yeah, I hear you, Russ. I appreciate the call from High River, Alberta. I'm going to stay in Alberta for a minute and talk to Diane, who's in Calgary. How are you, Diane? Hi, how are you? I'm well. Go ahead, please. I just wanted to say that I think that we need to start fighting back because, like your previous caller, Trudeau seems to be catering strictly to Quebec for the votes, and I'm tired of the discrimination and the unfairness of this equalization. And if it means that having each of the premiers in the West and in the Maritime speak up and insist on being heard, it means the public having to do petitions to request and demand equalization payments are fair and equal. I love Mo's suggestion, and yours were good plans, and these should be brought forward, and they should be discussed. It shouldn't be... Uh, just, uh, dem- you know, we're in a democracy, and it seemed like a dictatorship that was uh, hit over everybody's head on Friday. And, and uh, I think that everybody needs to reflect this equal fairness in every aspect when we go to the polls next year. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Diane, what happens is certainly with the current prime minister and the current government, but it's happened before, and it'll happen again, they do whatever Quebec tells them to do, they lecture Ontario voters, and they ignore the West. I know. And it's that's, that's, the, that's the formula from, uh, from Ottawa. Thank you for the call, Diane. Frank is in Ancaster, Ontario. How are you, Frank? I'm quite well, uh, Roy. Uh, Fra- Frank, hold, hold on. Are you, ta- are you on a speaker? No, I'm not. I'm in a, a, uh, an empty room here doing. No, I can't. I can't. I can't put this on the air because the quality. Sorry, Frank. The quality is just really not good. Really not good. It sounded like you were in a barrel. 
Uh, Alberta and Mark, where are you in Alberta? Yeah, I'm East Central, Serial, uh, Alberta, close to Saskatchewan. Yes, sir. Yeah, I just kind of, uh, you know, someone before was uh, mentioned the comment stunning. I'm more stunned because I'm just trying to figure out how he managed to slide this in when Trudeau has a, a one-year mandate left on the plate. Oh, but uh, Mark, there are yeah. there are 20-year programs that they have. Well, I guess I'm, I'm a novice in that regard, but, you know, just... My frustration is the fact that uh, once again uh, the West is getting, you know, you know, screwed over. And I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a. If people ask me, am I a liberal? Am I a PC? You know, I'm kind of. You know, <laughs> I, uh, at this point here, uh, if if I had a choice, I, I would be a BQ and give them that extra one percent to push them over the edge because I want to look at this whole thing like a bad marriage. I'll pay the alimony. I'll look forward to but, that. But do you think do you think do you really think that if Quebec were gone, that so would be so the troubles of of this country would be gone? Oh, I, I, I you know what I, you know, they're still going to landlock our oil out from from the west without a doubt. But yeah. once they stop receiving those uh, payments, uh, I'm I'm kind of thinking that uh, that might be an eye opener for them. They are are, are maestros of, of playing the orchestra, and unfortunately. Even though Western Canada has, uh, you know, a significant population, you know, through the last couple of years, it's mushroomed the population. We, you know, Western Manitoba through B.C. has more people than uh, Quebec. But you know what? Is it, uh, do we have the same political clout? Yeah, no, you don't. No, you don't. Not a chance. Thank you for the call, Mark. No, you don't. Because there isn't, a, there isn't any interest. There really, in, in, the, in the capital city of our country, in Ottawa, there isn't any real interest in in Western Canada, with the exception of British Columbia. There isn't. With the current setup, with the, I mean, my the current elected government, they don't care. You can you, just by their actions and their activity on social media, it's obvious. We will come back and tell you about the rest of today's program right after this.